I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, an Amish boy and his father were visiting a mall. They were amazed by almost everything they saw, but were especially intrigued by two shiny silver walls that could move apart and, and back together again. The boy asked his father, What is this, father? The father, never having seen an elevator before, responded, Son, I have never seen anything like this in my life. I don't know what it is. Well, the boy and the father were watching, wide-eyed, an old lady with a cane slowly limped up to the moving walls and pressed a button. After a moment, the walls opened to reveal a small room. The lady walked into the room and the walls closed. As the boy and his father watched, the numbers above the silver walls began to, to, to light up one by one. Then the boy and his father watched again as the numbers lit up, now in the reverse order. Three, two, and then one. Suddenly, the silver walls opened and out stepped a beautiful young woman. <laughs> Leaning over so as not to be too loud, the father said to his son, Quick, my boy, run and get your mother. Obviously, seeing an elevator for the first time, you'd be like, what is going on with that? And for them, they must have been mystified with it. And Now, we who are familiar with elevators have seen them work. It goes up and it goes down. People get on, people get off. We're like, duh, it's just, that's not the same person. But you've got to learn that, right? The first time you see it, it's like, what is, what is going on with that? And so it's that way with, with many things in our life. When I was a, a freshman at Marquette, one of my friends... Uh, and, and floor mates, uh, was, was from Pound, Wisconsin, which is kind of almost right across the bay from us. But uh, it's a small town, and, and he was in Milwaukee and not been there before. And, and we're sitting at Marquette on the south side looking at the, the freeway and the, and the, uh, the high-rise uh, bridge. And, and he says what was the strangest question in I've ever heard, where are all those people going? And I'm like, it's just traffic. What are you talking about? Uh, growing up in Chicago and being in other cities, it's just, it's, you don't ask that. It's just people are going. They're doing their lives. And, and, and my friend Luke, he has uh, since lived in many big cities, and, uh, and he no longer asks where all the traffic is going because he now knows. But at one point, I, I have, have been moving to smaller places, <laughs> Uh, when we were in Nebraska and in, and in southeast Arizona, I learned what he was asking. Because in a small town, when you see all kinds of people going in the same direction, something must be going on. Uh, in, in Nebraska, if it was 9.30 at night and you saw this line of traffic coming on this, the highway, which is about a mile away for us, but you can see clearly because it's flat as a table, it's like, oh, the, the ball game must be over in Loomis, and the people from Amherst are heading back home. Uh, that's something that you learn along the way. But but first first time through, he's like, what, what is going on? And and at some point, you realize this is, this is how things go. It's much the same with faith for us, that there are things that we learn 
at the beginning that are mystifying, but as we grow and develop, well, we need to grow up some. <laughs> we need to get past some of those things, and, and, and we learn what the faith is all about. We, we look at scriptures. We listen to, to what the Lord has said. We, we, we talk with one another who have a little bit more experience along the line, and, and so the, the basic things we, we at some point don't deal with any longer because we know them. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, and, and the writer here has been talking about Jesus and, and just lifting up Jesus as, as the supreme and superior of all things. They started out by comparing him with, with angels in chapter 1 and how Jesus is so much higher than the angels. And then he moves on to Moses and how Moses is great, but Jesus is better. He compares to, to the rest that Joshua brings in the book of Joshua and says, yeah, that, that there was a further rest that was needed that Jesus provides that Joshua doesn't. And he begins to speak in the last chapter we looked at about the great high priest. And, and he compares him to a guy called Melchizedek. To If we're just hearing or reading it the first time, we're like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> What's a Melchizedek? Uh, uh, we'll discover a little later. And as the writer does often, he kind of brings the subject and just inserts it for a little bit. And then comes back to it a little bit later. But having mentioned Melchizedek and the mention of him from Genesis, but also in Psalm 110, he stops for a minute. He kind of comes to a screeching out, and stops. He's like, all right, before I go any further, we got to have a little talk to you. Because there's things that they weren't getting. And that's really what this passage is. It's kind of a transitional, all right, folks, let's wake up. It's like... If you're sleeping out there, wake up. What are you looking at here? So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open to Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Again, he's just finished again a reference to uh, Jesus being um, a high priest in the order of Melchizedek in chapter 5, verse 10. And so he says in 11, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, 
it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Right, so again, we, we come to this screeching hall, this kind of this interlude in his discussion. He wants to go into some deep things about how Jesus fulfills the high priest role in a different way than, than the high priest's uh, from Aaron's line, and again, these are things that, that have come out in different passages as he's talked about then and brought expository preaching from them. Uh, but now he's like, I got a lot to say about this. <laughs> but, but you guys are, you're, you're not getting it. You're slow to learn. That The word slow to learn is, is, is the same as he, he uses, is translated later as being lazy. Uh, you're, you're, you've become dull in your understanding, and, and, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a small rebuke, is it? Uh, questioning, really, what's going on in them? And he talks about elementary truths needing to be covered. You need to move on from elementary truths to get to the deeper stuff. It's, well, it's kind of like uh, the ABCs of, of learning to read, right? When we... We need to know the letters, right? We need to know A, B, C all the way through Z or in Canada, Z. And, but we got to move past that. We can't sometime in high school be wondering, what is this? I don't know what this is. What character is that? It's like, that's an A, you moron. <laughs> you, you've got to, what do you mean you don't know though, those letters? That's just the basic stuff. We build on the letters and, to, to, and understand how they make sounds. You just can't keep going there. If it was music, uh, you, would, you would recognize the notes. There's a, maybe you've seen the, the movie, The Sound of Music. There's a song in there. It goes, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. And it's just the notes and the notes where they place on that. And, and as you learn more about music, you... We don't spend think, time thinking about, okay, what note, where does that come on the scale? You learn that and you know that. And you don't take a course sometime down the line after you've been playing in bands or in ensembles. It's like, what are, what are these things on this, these lines again? It's ridiculous. And so he's saying, in our faith, there's some basic things that we get to know at the outset that are just basic for us. And he calls this milk. It's a, it's a similar reference to, that Paul makes in his letter to the Corinthians. That, that, I mean, milk is important. We understand the concept that, that, that babies, when they're born, they need milk. That's the, the, that's the thing that gives them the nutrition they need. And, and it's this amazing, complex liquid that, that helps them to grow and even gives them antibodies when they need them. But at some point, the children, they eat solid food and that helps them to grow the illustration for us is, in our faith, we need to grow up and move from the, beyond the basic things to be able to understand these deeper things that he's trying to talk about. 
Some of that just comes from, from spending time talking with one another, with reading the word and understanding how it fits together. And it, it does take time. It, it just doesn't happen overnight. You, you read something and then you read something else. And as, as you read scripture again and again and, and different passages, you understand how they, well, they help us to understand each other as we look at them. But that's not the setting for some, at least, within the congregation. And, and, and he, he, he says again, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Uh, and he gives some descriptions of some of the things that they, they need to move beyond. And, and when he says leave them, he's not saying, uh, you know, we, we have nothing to do with anymore. But just that we, we we're build on these foundations and then go from there. So some of the things that, that we, we, we need to move from and, and go on is obviously repentance from acts that lead to death. Sin is a thing to God. That's a basic thing. That's part of all the scriptures talk about. Our problem with, with mankind and God is, is our sinfulness and, and to repent and walk away from those things. But also faith in God and in baptism. Baptism, baptism that's what happens as you begin this. It's a statement that says, I now put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. But we don't continue to work through that because it's, it should be done. The laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. These are, are concepts and ideas and, and, and theological learning that we, we get to know, but they're starting points. And from that we build. We need to move on. And, and then we get to verse 4. And verse 4 to, to 8 is, well, it's one of those, one of those passages which are kind of difficult. Uh, people have been talking about it and trying to put it in place for, well, <laughs> probably since it was written. One of the commentators I was reading, uh, George Guthrie, he talks about going to a conference, a theological conference in San Francisco, and, and he and two other guys from the conference, uh, they get on a trolley in San Francisco, and they're going along, and, and then another colleague came on later, and, and there's four of them, and they got on, well, they got onto this passage, and what does it mean, and how, and how does it fit, and, and they're talking on this trolley, and I don't know if you've been to San Francisco on a trolley, but... Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty condensed place there. Often a lot of people are in there. And, and here's these theologians just going at it. And, and of the four of them, they had basically three positions and with one more nuance to that position as they're talking, but talking in an animated fashion. And probably the people on the, on the trolley are just quietly trying to ignore them, but they can't be ignored. But with intensity, they're talking about this is, no, this is what it means. And what does it mean? What is it saying here? Well, to read this passage and the, the things that are there, just starting in verse 4 again, uh, it starts off with it's impossible, adunatai, uh, which is, uh, means it's, you're powerless for this to happen. For those who have, and here's four descriptions who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back. Now those characteristics that he lists there, if, if you were not to come to this passage with an, a theological idea that says, 
okay, is, is this for believers or not believers? Can a believer lose his faith is really the question, right? Can, can a believer lose salvation? And, and, and those who have been reading John chapter 10 or, or Romans chapter 8 says, well, obviously nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, so, so obviously those can't be believers, But if you were to take this text and just look at it and say, what is this describing? Everyone from a fresh perspective, if you wouldn't know what it says, if they fall away, it's impossible to come back. You would say, that's obviously a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. All the things that are there are are descriptions of of someone who, who seems to be part of the fellowship in following Jesus. Some have suggested that the word tasting there, well, maybe that's an indicator that they only tasted. You know, if, if, uh, if we get back to milk again, if, if I taste some milk and it's rotten and I spit it out and I have nothing more to do with it, right? And, and so tasting is, is giving it a little try. But that's not at all the sense we can take from this because the same word taste, we saw the same writer use in chapter 2 when it talks about Jesus having tasted death. Okay, how can you taste death? You taste death by going through it, by it actually happening to you, by fully becoming immersed in it. It is, it, is, it is being part of it. It says in the word as well, taste and see that the Lord is good. It means to fully take part in this. And so, what is it saying here? That's That's... The question, and this is, again, what theologians have been working through and arguing against. Uh, uh, Basic positions would be an Arminian and a Calvinistic positions. And all that means is is Arminians feel like, you know, if you don't continue to follow Jesus, you can lose your salvation. And a Calvinist will say that once you are saved, you are always saved, and there's nothing that can happen. And they would refer to passages like Romans chapter 8, where it talks about how nothing in the world could possibly separate us from the love of God. And, and John chapter 10, when Jesus talks about the sheep, and he says, there's no one can steal the sheep from the shepherd. So how do we, how do we combine these together? This is hard, and Again, theologians have been wrestling with this, and some have broken fellowship over this because the questions are, are so vital. I, of course, have the definitive answer. <laughs> All right. You ought to hear that. No, I don't. I think... Probably the best, and this was something that was articulated by R.T. France, who's a, a Scottish commentator. I said, you know, when we take these passages, again, everything about this looks like a believer. Uh, chapter 10, we'll get to similar discussions about this. But we still have Romans 8, and we still have John 10 and other passages. So what do we do with this? And, and I think part of... The, the, the method for us to, to work through this is, 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 what is what is our writer doing here? And, and who is he writing to? He keeps coming to this idea of don't drift away. Don't fall away on this. He comes back to it again and again. And part of what he's seeing in the congregation he's writing to is that some have gone away. 
And, and certainly in the minds of the hearers in the first century, there was a, a fellow named Judas Iscariot who was among the 12 disciples of Jesus. And what's well, pretty clear, he fell away. <laughs> so he's talking to people who he's, there's some questions. Where are they going with their faith? And, and maybe in, in, as John is speaking to people who maybe their faith is a little bit faint-hearted and they're worried and concerned about where they're at, there is this assurance that, that, that nothing can separate you from God. Romans chapter 8, it, it talks about these external things that can come and, and, and take your faith away, but it's not possible, neither height nor depth, neither Life, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. These external things cannot take you from God. But to a people that are being complacent in their faith, who are being cavalier even about how they approach life and sin and, and, and how they walk with one another, our writer has warnings to say, you need to be careful here because you're not as safe as you think you are. If this is how you're taking the love that God has demonstrated to you by, as we've gone through the example and the symbols of the, the communion table, his, his body broken, his blood shed on our behalf, if you can take all those actions and say, my life, my actions, my decisions, how I live makes no difference he died for you. How can, how can you take that so simply? There's a warning. It's not okay to say you believe and not live like you believe. How we live matters. And there's a warning here. If you think... You're standing firm, as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 10. Watch out, lest you fall. Watch out. Well, so we, we go from the ABCs to this slip sliding away. But he ends in a blessed assurance. Because he redirects again and says, even though we speak like this, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God's not going to forget who you are. God's not forget what you're doing and how you love him and how you're loving others. And, and, and I think that's the, that's the core for our assurance in this, of, of walking through all of this. What's going on in our heart? Uh, maybe you read a passage like this, it's like, oh my gosh, am I in, am I in trouble that's probably an indicator you're not because your heart is soft enough to be concerned about that. That you love the Lord enough that, that walking unfaithfully and not walking with him, if there's sin in your life and, and, you, and you are filled with, with grief and want to deal with it in your life, then that's an indicator your heart is soft to God yet. We are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. And, and while he finishes up with concern for them to, 
to, to continue to be faithful, to not be lazy in their faith, but to be diligent about following it through, of learning and going deeper. There is this confidence in how he speaks to them. And so all of this has not been a hypothetical issue for him, but what he, again, wake up. What's going on in your heart? What are you doing with God in your life? Move past the basics to the deeper stuff. The Super Bowl is going to be played today. The pinnacle of the season in the National Football League. Many people uh, orient their heart, the entire day, even their entire weekend around this. And, and, and the, the two teams have been battling others all the way to get to this point. And you know what they're not spending a lot of time talking about? The basics. It's said of uh, Vince Lombardi when he would start training camp with them that, that he would gather the people and, and he, would, he would pick up a football and hold it in his hand and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. These are guys who played football in, in, in middle school and high school and college. They knew what a football was. But he was saying at the start of the season, here's some basics we're going to work on. But at this point of the season, they know their place. They know the coverages that they have. They've been working on the tendencies of their opponents to do different things. They have been spending time studying how to do what they need to do. And much the same in our lives. The basics, yeah, they're important. We build on them all, but we grow. And we go deeper. We get to know who God is. We get to know his heart. One of my friends in, in Nebraska would say, you know, the, the, the longer I go, the more I read scripture, uh, I think the less I understand how all these things work together. But the more I understand his heart, I think that's what humility does. Uh, God is so much more vast than we can think or imagine. And the more we learn about him, the more we discover we don't know about him. But we see his heart in his interaction with mankind. He desires that we know him and love him. He desires that we be faithful in in walking through our lives, connected to him and and the areas that we struggle with in sin, to, to be weeding those out and working on repenting from them. And being faithful as we live this life in front of others, possibly facing persecution and difficulties, but nevertheless remaining faithful through it all. And, and that's our call. To take from this difficult passage, uh, again, this understanding that God's call is for us to see him, to walk with him, to be concerned about where we're at and continue to grow and go deep. Let's stand and close in prayer. Uh, Father, we stand here and in the midst of having remembered your, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And for all intents, this is, this is our basic foundation. This is the start of it all that you died for us. 
but then having died for us and calling us to yourself, that you have called us to live a life, that you've given us gifts to use, to live out with one another. You've given us minds to know you deeper. And Lord, I'd ask that you'd help each of us, that your spirit be moving within us, to find those areas where we have been lazy or dull or inattentive. If there's things that we need to, to root out, maybe we need to, to, to pray and confess. Maybe we need to look for forgiveness. But Lord, Spirit, we ask that you would speak to each of us this day. I thank you that you've done what you've done on our behalf. And I ask that you guide us and direct us to be your men and women, to follow you, to be faithful to you as we look for and anticipate the day when you'll come and set things to rights. Our hope is in you. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.